Daily Drive is brought to you by eBay Motors. Auto dealers, are you missing the most engaged buyers because you don't know where to find them? At eBay Motors, you'll find buyers so motivated, they purchase a car or truck once every three minutes. Just call 866-210-5362 and mention code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Daily Drive. I'm Steve Smith with Automotive News. It's Friday, April 16th. Consumers want digital experiences that are convenient, personal, and in many ways predictive based on their everyday habits, what they buy, where they go, what they like, and so on. Consumers have enjoyed those experiences for years. Amazon does it every day. In fact, millions of times a day. Netflix, Facebook, Google, all great examples. And now those same consumers expect those same types of digital customer experiences in making decisions in how they choose to move from one place to another. Whether it's the shopping experience, the experience they enjoy inside the vehicle, or even their experiences with shared and micromobility apps. As a result, according to Seth Vogel, who leads the global automotive and mobility practice at consulting firm Star, automakers are at an important intersection. And that is finding the right way to deliver the digital experiences customers expect while also navigating the complexities that are inherent to embracing and integrating enabling technologies, both hardware and software, that come from a diverse portfolio of suppliers. Vogel believes that many of the adjustments automakers and dealers made in response to the pandemic to better connect with consumers digitally are here to stay. In fact, He thinks we have reached a tipping point in this industry to a more digitally enabled customer experience. The implications for automakers, says Vogel, are significant. Going so far as to recommend adapting fundamental design principles to be more flexible, multi-sensory, predictive, and personalized. The firm recently released a report delving into the increasingly digital automotive experience, and he joins me today on the show from his home office in the suburbs of Detroit to share more about the insights from the report and his recommendations on how automakers should respond to consumers' evolving expectations. Seth, thanks for joining me today on Daily Drive. How are you? Doing great. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your schedule to join me today. So why don't we hop right in? How has the COVID-19 pandemic accelerated auto consumers' expectations surrounding the digital experience? Thanks, Steve. It's very interesting. I think uh, COVID-19 has had a lot of negative impacts, of course. But if we look at digital adoption and kind of what's happened um, over this last year, we've really accelerated probably 10 years in terms of uh, our adoption and, and the consumer's acceptance in, from a digital lifestyle. If you look at things from anywhere from, you know, the Amazon to working at home to Netflix, um, consumers have really embraced digital in a way that has never happened before. I mean, we have folks, you know, doing virtual doctors and doing things working virtually at home, which, you know, just a couple of years ago, that never would have been thought of. So, Seth, it seems to me we're kind of at an intersection, right? A crossroads, if you will, right? You've got these increased consumer expectations surrounding what they want from digital experiences. At the same time, you've got these very cool technologies, rapidly maturing, rapidly evolving technologies that are helping enable the the expectations that consumers want. Are we Are we at that tipping point towards driving digital experiences in the automotive industry? Absolutely. I- if you look at 
what was happening coming into COVID, everyone was focused on ACEs. So it was with focus on autonomous vehicles, connectivity, electrification, and shared mobility. And all of those have an underlying component that is technology related. And then you bring into what has happened with COVID in terms of the increased expectations around digital experiences. And that has created, created a really unique situation with OEMs where they're not able to keep up with the pace of change. And we are at a tipping point because you can't think about what's happening in the industry and you can't think about business as usual when you have so many of these things related to a technology and the software aspect. So it's created an an enormous amount of uh, complexity for OEMs that they're really struggling to deal with in terms of, A, how do we meet the expectations? B, how do we deal with uh, the initiatives we have around autonomous connectivity, electrification, and shared mobility? And how do we get all that done into a package that the consumer wants and and do that with all of the increased complexity um, at just this rapid pace of change? I want to get a little bit into recommendations because you have a new report out that that offers some recommendations where to start, who leads these things. We'll get to that in just a, in just a minute. But you know, beyond the here and the right now that this is that this is creating the opportunities, maybe even the challenges and the disruption. What long term trends is this digital transformation going to create? I like to look at that in three different areas. So I think the first area that a lot of our listeners are probably very well aware of is kind of the retail transformations. So going into COVID, you know, the the retail buying experience of vehicles was something that was predominantly done in person. And that has obviously shifted dramatically um, during COVID. And I think that that's something that is here to stay in terms of having uh, an online presence. And, it's, and what majority of the OEMs are looking at doing is how do I take the how do I take that full experience and how do I make it digital? So I think what you're going to see in terms of a long-term trend is there's going to be less of a physical footprint. And I think there's going to be more of a digital on-ramp and off-ramp in terms of that experience. So I think the, the, the OEMs who are able to look at that trend in the future and position themselves well to where they can meet the needs of both of those consumers who are really looking at a digital experience along with the physical physical experience and having those unique on-ramps and off-ramps to where it's a holistic journey, those are the things that are going to really set them ahead of their their competitors. If we look at the second area in terms of the applications, and in these applications, you know, really follow the the user or the consumer in their digital journey. It could be uh, stuff that's on their phones. It could be stuff that's in in the actual vehicles. But if we think about the apps that are being done, you know, there's an increased level of, of expectation from the consumer that those things are going to be catered to them. So what that means is that we have to be able to gather the information that is readily available in terms of the user, their preferences, and what they're what they're seeking, what they want to do, and be able to have that there for them. And then it needs to follow them from whether that be outside the vehicle, whether that be looking at their phone, looking at web, mobile, into the vehicle, kind of that holistic experience we have to increase our, our sophistication and kind of our, our delivery of our apps to be able to do that. I think that's something that, you know, is already there in many of the other areas uh, of our life in terms of when you log into Netflix, obviously, it already knows a whole lot about you. When you log onto your computer, when you do your Google searches, 
those things are already there for you, but we haven't really seen that translate into the automotive world. Um, you know, I think that's something that we'll see and that will be a major trend. We, when you think about things like shared mobility, that's going to be really important because it's it's the ability to then translate between multiple users and bringing those pre- those preferences and those personalization into the vehicle and into their mobility experience. Um, diagnostics is another trend within the applications that I think is very important. Um, we can't look at the user journey in silos. And what that means is, is in terms of the ownership experience of the vehicle, if you know uh, what is happening around the diagnostics of the vehicle in terms of its its maintenance, um, its schedules around things that are that may need, might need to be replaced if there's something going wrong with the vehicle, being able to incorporate that in a seamless way uh, to the to the consumer's experience is really going to help them in terms of the scheduling with the tech technicians, making it easier for them so that they have that holistic journey. And the third area is really uh, HMI trends. So within the HMI, the you know the human machine interface within the vehicle itself, it has to be more personal. And when I say that, it you know there's if you think about how we interact with technology. There's many different ways that we interact, and it can't just be a one mode. We have to think about things in terms of multiple modes of communication, including whether that is you know voice, fingerprints, gestures, face. There's so many different ways that you can interact with technology, and I think that being able to do that in a way where it's more personal is going to be very important. You know, one of one of the projects we did with uh, a Chinese automotive manufacturer, it was building a companion application, and the companion application actually had a you know, a physical presence to it in terms of uh, like like a robot type of technology. And I think, and the expressions that it had were very humanistic. Um, those are the type of things that I think people are looking for. They're looking for more out of their technology in terms of how they interact. And that interaction is not just going to be one way. It's going to be through touch. It's going to be through voice. It's going to be through um, different types of sensors. The displays themselves in HMIs, uh, just, you know, it's just been taken to a whole nother level. So, we're going to see a major decrease in the amount of physical hardware within the vehicles and an, and an increase in terms of the software. So software literally is eating the hardware. And I think, you know, there's a, there's a coin term somebody said around deep buttonification. I think we're going to see the, the amount of buttons within a vehicle consistently decrease over time. And that's going to become much more software related. We'll be right back with more of my conversation with Seth Vogel, Global Automotive and Mobility Practice Leader at STAR. The most motivated car buyers aren't knocking on your door anymore. They're online, but you don't have to look far. You can find them at eBay Motors. Our platform features over 7 million engaged users. Our buyers are so engaged, they enter over 3 billion search impressions per month and buy a car or truck every three minutes. Today's car buyer has high expectations when they browse online eBay Motors helps you meet those expectations. Use machine learning with our AI-driven vehicle pages, and you'll automatically optimize your buyer's experience. It's as easy as listing your inventory and watching as the most engaged buyers find you. If you've ever uploaded your automotive inventory to a website, you have more than enough skills to get your cars listed on eBay Motors. It will feel like you're setting up an entirely new car dealership within minutes. Once you list your available inventory, you'll have additional support from the platform, including a single destination page for your entire brand. Want to generate more sales automatically? eBay Motors lets you choose between auction, classified, and fixed-price listing options so the site does the heavy lifting. It even integrates with your existing dealer or vehicle management system. All you have to do is list your inventory. Sit back, relax, watch a movie, 
and then check back in to see the sales you've made. How do you start? It's as simple as creating an account. Call 866-210-5362 and mention the code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Find out why selling cars has never been this easy. That number again, 866-210-5362. So that seems to, if I'm, if I'm responsible for designing those experiences and, and harnessing or at least uh considering those trends that you that you just described it seems that the way i think about it the design principles kind of shift even from the beginning would you agree and can you talk about that a little bit yeah i I think when when we're thinking about design design has to be looked at from multiple levels so it reminds me of you know 10 or 15 years ago when customer journey and customer journey maps became popular within consulting and within different OEMs. So at that point in time, what we were trying to solve and and what the pain point was, was that many of the user experiences that were happening, people were only focusing on that unique user experience. So it was a very siloed journey. Now, if you kind of fast forward to today, you know, I think we're seeing the same type of thing happen, but now it's from a from a design and from a software engineering perspective. So when you're thinking about the user experience, it's it's great to understand the holistic user journey and and all of the pain points that they have along the way. But then you've also got to under, understand the design aspect of that. So when you're thinking about your design, you've got to be thinking about that this these vehicles potentially could have flexible ownership. And if they have flexible ownership, then how do you take that into consideration within your design aspects? There's going to be cultural things that are going to be very important. So if you know if if you're in a different region of the world, certain things culturally are much more acceptable than 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 in other areas of the world. So how do you take into account that variance in terms of the cultural um, the cultural desires of the consumer, in terms of the sensory aspects that that we were just talking about? You've got to be thinking about that early on when you start designing these mobility journeys and these mobility um, intersections with the consumer, that is something that takes that into consideration. So when the consumer is interacting with your brand, it could be on web, it could be on mobile, it could be in the vehicle, it could be so many different ways. And they're going to want to have a more personalized um, aspect of that, where it's not just talking to a blank screen, but it's actually something where they're, they're interacting in a more real and meaningful way. I think also in terms of the predictive and personalization, um, there we have become so used to technology knowing about us and understanding our likes and our dislikes and, and, and the things that we're trying to do that also technology in the future from a design perspective is going to have to be more predictive and personalized in terms of understanding what are your normal routes, what are the normal things that you like to do, what are your normal driving styles. Uh, there, there's no reason why in the future as we have technology kind of evolving you know today you know you can today you you get into your vehicle and you can set your seat preferences and that sounds very basic but you know why do we need uh, why do we need controls in terms of the climate control and other things if you're able to understand a person's body temperature are you able to understand their their preferences those are things that i think that as technology continues to increase they will be taken out of the design of vehicles. So we need to be thinking very forward thinking as we're thinking about how all those things come together. The second aspect of that 
which I think is is really that that tipping point we were referring to earlier, is all of these things now rely heavily upon the software. And if we think about how OEMs and suppliers have historically dealt with um, hardware, a lot of it has been broken up into many different components and and then sent out for for production. Um, that's not something that you can do in the same using the same methods and tools for software. And I think we're seeing now that that's becoming a major pain point for most OEMs because software is so interconnected that if you want to have that seamless journey from a design perspective, you have to be thinking about the software platform ahead of actually starting to build the software. And that means understanding kind of your solution architecture, your technical architecture, and how all the different components are going to come together from a technology perspective before you actually look at how you're going to build it and put it all and make it a reality. So I think understanding kind of those those three kind of design principles, but then understanding both the the human aspect of this and then the technology aspect of it and the software layer and using that platform-centric approach is really going to be important. That's certainly a lot to think about. It's it's not an easy problem, you know, quite frankly, it's very complex, particularly with within a vehicle, within an enterprise, you have different hardware providers, you have different software providers, etc. We have seen over the last year kind of some of these examples of more um, more open platforms of software, etc. But, you know, where do companies really need to, to, to start thinking about this? When, how, who within an organization leads that? I mean that's that's a lot of stuff to think about um and and you know if i'm listening to this i i i you know certainly agree with with some of the the stuff that you're saying and and the the point of view that you're sharing the next natural question is okay how do i tackle this who's going to lead this within my organization um what are your thoughts on that how, what would you recommend that's a great question and and the amount of change that we're talking about i mean if we just think about all of the technology in the vehicle today those things were not developed in the last year or two. Those are things that have been developed model over model. Um, and it's been something that's been increasing over time. And you have some very embedded uh, componentry that, is, that has been put together over many different years. So I mean, when we look at the first part of this in terms of the win, I think that's something that OEMs are struggling with. I think that they're, they're looking at their current product portfolios and, the, and they're making those decisions in terms of when do we start making some of these major changes. There are some technology changes that in terms of like the user interface that you're seeing starting to slowly come into to new vehicles. But I think a lot of OEMs are really looking at this in terms of, you know, if I've got an aging fleet of ICE vehicles and I know that I'm bringing a lot of new models to the market in the next five years around EV, what is the right time to do that? And I think that a lot of them are hedging their bets in terms of bringing this new technology into the new platforms. And I think that that is something that we'll continue to see. I think we'll see incremental um, improvements within the ICE vehicles as we go and kind of go from model to model. But I think that most OEMs are going to wait for major model changes to make that more significant investment into the you know, replatforming of their software and, and bringing out a lot of those new features. So I think that that'll happen over time. I think you know, that's where a lot of the new new entrants to the market do have a advantage in terms of they're starting from scratch. So they're thinking about some of these software platform centric views from the very beginning, and that's really going to help them. And I think a lot of the traditional OEMs 
they're making that decision kind of on a case by case and model by model basis. But I think that they're hedging their bets in terms of, you know, let's wait for a major platform upgrade or let's wait for uh, a new model release to really bring a lot of these new features to the market because it, it is a significant investment. In terms of you know, who's going to do this and, and, and who and how, I think that we're going to see a lot more partnerships happening. If we talk about the capabilities, just from a software engineering perspective, uh, the capabilities that are needed for these model changes are drastically um, outpace the, the capabilities of the current OEMs. I mean, that's just a reality. You can see that in all the different hiring that's going on. You can see that in terms of uh, the changes in terms of employment and, and how they're trying to build new uh, software centers and, and bring in other partnerships. I think that we're going to see that continue to change. And I think what's going to happen is we're going to see a lot more software and partnerships with OEMs and where they're going to be leveraging those core expertise and capabilities. I also think we're going to see some, some, some standardization in terms of some of the software landscape. I think today it's very, very fragmented and we're going to see some clear winners and losers. And I think that a lot of the OEMs, rather than trying to build this technology 100% in-house, where they can't do that um, physically just because they're not the amount of time and effort that's required, you're going to see partnerships with a lot of technology leaders. In terms of the, the how, you know, I think the how is a very, very, very important and very um, technical one. I think that it requires thinking about these things differently. So you can't think about how you did things 10 years ago or even five years ago in terms of how that's going to translate into the new models and into the new market to re really meet the new cost consumers' expectations that are drastically increased. And what that means is in terms of how you're thinking about the landscape, how you're thinking about the software, if you're using a platform-centric view in terms of the software, uh, it, it's and on one side it's more complicated, but then when it comes down to the individual components, it's much more simplistic because you have different pieces of software relying upon the platform itself rather than trying to do a lot of these things within a silo. And that's really going to open up a lot of um, optimizations and it's also going to allow them to develop faster. So thinking about what type of software you're going to build, how you're going to build it, how you're going to partner, and what the overall architecture is going to be, that is going to be fundamental in to bringing these new consumer experiences to life. Seth, thanks for sharing your perspectives with me. Before we go, where can listeners learn more about your report? Thanks. We've put together a really good trends report around HMI design, and a lot of a lot of the technology trends that we're talking about are embedded into this report. Um, if any of their listeners would like to get a copy, just email automotive at star.global. That's automotive at star.global, and you'll get it. You can get access to this report and learn a lot more about what we do in terms of our strategy, design, and software engineering capabilities. Thanks so much for joining me today on Daily Drive, Seth. Terrific perspective. Appreciate the time. Thanks, Steve. That's Daily Drive for Friday, April 16th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all of our episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash daily drive. As always, thank you for listening. Have an awesome weekend, and we'll be back on Monday.